I'm capable, but I'm also very proud. And so having to drop the pride to be like, I need help, <laughs> you know, and, and I need help to realize this brand's mission and reach and help more people and just that acknowledgement that it's not going to reach its potential if I keep it all locked up to myself. That's Alison Rice. In this episode, we dive into the journey Alison took from working way over time in digital publishing to podcast host and giving herself space day in, day out to feel through her next steps, all the way to launching off her online space for conscious career coaching. I've worked with Alison for a long time, and I'm really excited for you to get to know the courage that she holds. She strides towards self-exploration, and I really look up to her when it comes to being consistent, doing the work, and having integrity, however you've designed your own life to look. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Thomas, motion director and founder of production company Cinema Tom. I can't wait to bring you into the world of my guests, some of Australia's most prolific creatives working in fashion, media and design as we unpack their unique creative process. For a bit of context of how I know Alison, I found Alison's podcast offline like most people when my favourite Australian influencers shared the episode they'd recorded as Alison's guest. And I tuned in because I wanted to hear their side of the story. Soon after, like me, hundreds if not thousands of women have fallen in love with Alison, her aura, her way of being and her integrity. She's trusted, she shows up and she does the work and she's there living, experiencing and sharing just like us. She's pretty transparent about her life and my favourite thing is that she's never made excuses. Naturally, when she opened up her coaching offering, I had some things going on. I had experienced a certain type of trauma and I wanted some guidance or more so in my case, a friend or a woman who got it and understood the glossy clients that I was working with but the heavy heart that I was living with. And she guided me. And every few weeks for $150, which was her coaching rate, we jumped on the phone and it was honestly just the best. And then COVID hit. She had Betty, her daughter, and committed to growing her family. And then a time came, of course, when I and many other women wanted coaching again. And she said, hang on, there's something better coming. In February of this year, she launched off an online space for conscious career coaching. Let's dive in. How are you? I am. How am I? I like to try and answer this really honestly in the moments. I'm like, good, thanks. <laughs> I am feeling very grounded, but professionally and creatively expanded and stretched. <laughs> yes, because you have a launch coming up. I have a launch coming up. And as I was saying to you, I have recently gotten some help on board but as nature is wont to do, has taken some of that support away <laughs> in the time that, you know, I believe I needed it most, but actually what I'm finding now as I'm kind of making my way through the work is it probably did require me, only mm. me. Yeah, sure. So, um, but it's good because it's not very often we get to feel professionally stretched and expanded. So I'm really trying to welcome the challenge instead of allow myself to go into that, Yeah, you know, kind of manic stressed state, just knowing that the more mm. stable I am, 
the better the quality of work is going to be. So we're straight in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's go. Can we, let's chat about offline and off. So in a cute little bow, how would we wrap up what offline is as a business and now what the extension of off is? Mm. It's hard that elevator pitch, isn't it? Offline started as a podcast in 2018 and I had just left a very um, busy, full, quite stressful um, women's lifestyle publishing role and that was a major, major leap but also probably professional risk for me because I kind of had the job that a lot of people wanted, I guess. Mm. It was pure digital, global brands, really well-respected brands, working really closely with US partners, very strategic. Um, And we'd recently been acquired by a bigger media company, so we knew there was some funding coming in. So all of the signals pointed towards locking down in there and staying, but I was coming up to 12 months feeling really out of integrity. Yeah. And that kind of, yeah, propelled me to quit without anything lined up, which again, kind of when you get to, especially as a female into a senior position inside publishing, especially, you don't tend to go, well, what's been modeled for us is that we don't leave without the next kind of shiny title that we announce a week after Mm. our resignation from the other one, you know, that whole trade press story. But so, yeah, I just felt that kind of call to to go but also leave some space for what could be instead of trying to plan the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and offline really was um truly a creative bridge. It was something for me to do and experience while I kind of I guess looked for or waited for the next thing. And then, you know, that was four years ago <laughs> and I never got that next job. You know, this has become my full-time profession. And as you know, it's evolved so much. I've just recorded my 100th episode or just published my 100th episode. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot of listening to me. <laughs> Congratulations. As you know now, you know, editing, you're like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, oh Why my God. Right I need now? to have oh. like Tim Tam breaks. It's crazy. I'm like, no, nah, no more. I'm out. Okay, I need a break. <laughs> no more of me today. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so offline, the podcast started as honest conversations with the people that we love to follow on Instagram. So I guess really at the height of that kind of influencer culture. Mm. and having really beautiful relationships with some of the girls in fashion and beauty and lifestyle at that time, just knowing that, you know, they're these smart, strategic, generous, hardworking people. But of course, all we're seeing or or all we were seeing was that very shiny veneer of their Instagram grid and the highlight reel. And so just going to them and asking, hey, will you sit down with me and can we talk about who you really are and your character and your morals and how you think about building your business? Because ultimately it is a business. It's not, Mm. you know, in a world also where influencers, and I know to some extent still is, but weren't really taken seriously. Mm. But knowing the kind of um, backstory and the behind the scenes of knowing that, you know, these are people who are just 
you know, incredibly strategic, tapped in, switched on. And so trying to kind of extract that so that their audiences and mine could really see a different side and maybe have a little bit of compassion Mm. (laughs) and empathy in, in, you know, what is obviously a very privileged um, position for them to be in, but trying to be also really selective with who I gave a microphone Mm. to um, and taking a lot of responsibility for what we spoke about and how we spoke about it. So it started there and then... I guess as I let more of myself come through, which, you know, was my essence and all of the spiritual exploration I had been doing a decade before and was continuing to do in that kind of very spacious, you know, when you leave something, you don't know what's next. You start looking for answers and Mm. talking to teachers and healers and you know, so I was in that very kind of explorative time and that sort of started to come through. And then the audience was like, oh, more of that, please. And I was like, okay, we like the spirituality. And then (laughs) brought in the teachers and healers and, you know, now in season seven and offline really is about true self-success and this idea of if we were to kind of shed all of the conditioning around what it means to be a professional in the world, but also a successful professional, what would that actually look like for us? Like what would bring us joy and fulfillment? And if we stopped worrying so much about what we were called and how much we earned and how much we can acquire in a very short Mm. amount of time, what would our professional expression come through as? And that's been really beautiful because this now feels so aligned to actually how I'm in the world mm. as a founder and a business owner. And and that's kind of shot off to my online course, which you helped me produce, mm-hmm. um, coaching, which you and I have had some beautiful sessions. Then I went and had my beautiful baby girl. Mm-hmm. And then in that kind of postpartum period, I had all intentions to just kick on with the podcast and pick up my one-on-ones. I was like, hmm, feeling that pull to evolve again and really listening to that cue and knowing ultimately that we can't really achieve what I believe we can together as like a coaching team in an hour. Mm. Yeah. And had a beautiful wait list and I knew that the kind of the need was there but felt that I could actually serve in a deeper way inside a a container. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I've launched most recently is Off, which Mm -hmm. is a conscious professional development space that you're also inside. Yeah, I'm like your number one fan. You're just like (laughs) my... But I, I feel like such an OG it. and I love it. Mm, you're doing the work with me and it's really, really special to me. So thank you. Mm, no worries. Anytime. Um, take us back to the day that you decided to start a podcast. Mm. Well, you know, really recently on Instagram, I shared um, a quote promoting the 100th episode where I, I actually recite the quote I've had next to my computer screen for the last decade, and it's an Ira Glass quote about creativity and creating. I wanted to pull the Ira Glass quote for you because she's mentioned it, and I think when something's moved somebody on a podcast, I find it really irritating when I can't instantly access it. So I'm going to read it to you. 
Nobody tells this to the people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good, it has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer, and your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase, they quit. Most people I know who do interesting, creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. And if you're just starting out, or you're still in this phase, you've got to know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It's only by going through a volume of work that will close the gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. And I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. And he is like the OG podcaster. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone kind of in radio or audio storytelling knows who he is. And This American Life is obviously the podcast of all podcasts. And it's, it's so much more than a podcast actually. And so that I had been listening to for so long. I've been listening to him for so long. And I started to get really interested in audio as a medium to tell stories, but also connect people to each other. Yeah. So different. It's so intimate, as you know. Yeah. So powerful. Um, and so when I was in that publishing job, I was really starting to get kind of obsessed with podcasts. But this was 2018, so it was like kind of early. We yeah. knew about them. They definitely existed, but not really in mainstream women's at that time. Yeah. they were. I think they were sort of st- started by corporations and as, as an extension of what they were doing. It was quite rare. Or you had your Joe Rogans who was just a powerhouse. It was quite mm-hmm. rare for, for a woman to just pick up a mic and be like, cool, I'm going to start a podcast now. Mm -hmm. And especially one at that time, and this was my ambition with it, was I'm going to produce something that is all feeling and all seeing and all hearing. I'm not going to produce like the commercial podcast that I would have to do, say, for a brand. Yeah, I'm going to do the thing that we need. I believe we need to hear right now. And so many people I'm in conversation with are telling me they need right now. And it's very raw, it's very emotional, it's unedited. So they basically run as is unless a guest says, oh, my God, take out that bit where I spoke about money. Or, <laughs> you know, there's always something where we get so deep in the conversation that we forget we're recording type thing. Um, so, yeah, so when I was sort of in that kind of 12 months of knowing I had to go and I had to really pluck up the courage to leave, I started to get very engrossed in this world of podcasting and thinking about what I might be able to contribute to the space that would be valuable and meaningful. And then just beginning to explore what producing it would look like. Cause then also it seems crazy. Like it was only four years ago, but there was like no information on the internet Mm. (laughs) about how to start a podcast. And so this is me just like, in the doldrums of YouTube, (laughs) you know, at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night after my publishing job, just trying to figure out like, what microphone do I need? And like, I don't even think the, the audio platform we're on now existed at that time. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. 
and yeah, and then ended up engaging an audio engineer um, who really was um, a pivotal part of my learning process in those first two seasons. And then I started to really understand, oh, actually, this is something I can actually do myself mm. um, and it still be a really high quality. But it was, um, it was a bit edgy then, I have to say, like when I announced it, I had so many people like in media going, what's a podcast? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's just weird to think. Like, it's only four years ago. But this is how quick yeah. these kind of mediums and cycles come in and and yeah, I'll never forget um, doing kind of the 100th episode. I've been doing a lot of looking back and I um, posted about Jeannie, my first episode, mm-hmm. and the day that I was recording with her was my first recording because I used to record in my lounge room at home to $10 Mitre 10 chairs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a little coffee table with the mic stands and I was late getting home. So she was waiting out the front for me, which is like, you know, as a professional, but also as a host, you kind of want some time to kind of compose yourself. And for me, it's all about like landing in the intention of the episode and my body. And But somebody had resigned as I was walking out the door. It's yeah. just like such my old life. And so, of course, I had to absolutely stop and get into a room with them and hear them out and talk about next steps and just I remember being in the cab still kind of um, scripting on my way home, just feeling like I wasn't ready Yeah. Um, and then just went for it. And I have to say I just sat down and just thought, right, fuck it, heart open. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. And I really think that first episode you can feel the tone of the podcast and you can feel hopefully you can feel my intention in it and, yeah. Yeah. The first one's so interesting. My first one with George's was we chatted for two hours. I had to cut it down, but it was just so, I was terrified. And in the pre, so for listeners that don't actually know how podcast software works, we're using Squadcast and it gives you, you sort of start a Zoom and then there's a big record button and then you hit it. So there is a window of time for you and your guests to chat. And we were just chatting. I was like, I'm terrified. It's my first episode. He's like, it's you and me, kid, let's go. And it was so sweet. And, um, and I think you almost like you're so eager to get your message across that you really formulate and you make sure that it's exactly, you like overthink everything, I guess. But then once you've started and hit record, you just go because it is you just chatting and that's like mm-hmm. kind of what the whole thing's about. And that's so, the advice I try and give is you just have to be here now. And as much as, you know, even as your guest now, I would love to know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that really takes away, um, I reckon, the quality and the authenticity of the conversation because you've heard ones that are really scripted and you get five minutes in, you're like, mm, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Not adding heaps of value. So for us to kind of be in free fall in conversation, I think that's probably what gets me going and what's kept me going probably. Yeah. Because 100 episodes, like, you've got to want to do it, you know. <laughs> so do any of your guests want to see questions before you start? I have had some, yes, and I just have um, a pretty standard response around the nature of the podcast and that these are honest conversations and to have an honest conversation, we need to turn up really true. Yeah. And so here are some of the topics I'd like to explore with you. And just giving them all of the comfort they need that 
you're going to be so held. Like if you stop talking, I'll talk. And if I ask a question and you don't know how to answer it, I'll see that and I'll answer it on your behalf. And then that will invite you into your own inquiry. You'll just, we'll be fine, you know? And I think that's our role as host, isn't it? Is ultimately you can trust me. Because putting a microphone and pressing record, it's a lot of pressure on people to, Mm. you know, how am I going to come across and what am I going to say and how am I going to be perceived? And that's a big part of how I see certainly my responsibility is making sure I capture their essence and their truth. Yeah. Mm. Your season one especially, the girls' walls just drop and the space that you manage to create is something that like, I mean, the art of conversation by Alison Rice is a hell of a thing. (laughs) Online course. (laughs) (laughs) Let's create it and talk about that offline. Before you hit record, was there any thought about how you would navigate them into that safe space? Yeah, part of it is along the lines of what I just shared. Like you were saying with Georges, you've got that time before you say, are we ready Mm. to go? And really getting there okay in that moment. Mm. And this is the big thing about presence is we establish it for ourselves, but we also have to tap into the guest's presence and know, are you with me? Are you in the room? Are you in acceptance of what's going on right now? And I need to be able to see in their face and their eyes that they feel like, yes, I'm, I feel really good and, and let's go. Because if we get going too early and they haven't quite arrived at that moment of surrender, I feel like, and you might have heard this in some episodes, the first 10 minutes are really that establishing, trying to loosen up, like trying to, and this is my role, so I'm trying to take the conversation somewhere, but there is that time if, if we get going too early where I feel like the first part of the chat is just them relaxing, whereas my goal is to go in in a relaxed state so that we sort of get straight to the guts of it because I guess as creators we know we only have people's attention for a very short amount of time at the beginning. Yeah. And so the beginning of an episode is actually really important, but it's often yeah. not the juiciest part of the conversation. Yeah. So you kind of got to go somewhere valuable pretty quick, which that's a lot to land in straight away with a microphone, you know, on you if you haven't done it before or haven't done it much before. But really, I think, especially in season one, season one and season two, because I knew most of them quite well, whereas season three onwards, I started branching out and interviewing people that I hadn't really, I don't have a relationship with. But those first two seasons, I really put that down to a decade of relationships and relationship Mm. building and trust building and me being the person I am now always. Do you know what I mean? So they knew this person has been stable and consistent and kind the entire time I've known them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not this kind of thing we're kind of just fabricating in the moment. So I think that's what I would put those first couple of seasons down to is just pure relationships and trust. Yeah. And I think I actually heard this from a couple of the girls is they want to tell their story but there's nowhere to tell it or there wasn't anywhere to tell it at that time when we were still doing the hashtag girl boss. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) You know when we were doing that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
and that I think is what offline kind of became for a very small um, but I think influential group of influencers is somewhere that they could come and feel like they could bring their true self and be understood. Mm. And ultimately that's what they showed up for was to say, this is actually who I am and this is what I believe in. Um, And again, very, very privileged place to be, but that doesn't discount the fact that they're misunderstood a lot of the time and they're mocked a lot of the time and comes with the job, I get it, but I still think they have a right to kind of declare themselves, you know what I mean, and stand up Mm. for themselves. And there's a little bit of that happening, I think, where we were just really going places that they, some of them hadn't gone before in their personal lives as well. So it was a little bit of um, therapy. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It has that tone for sure. You have a, I think it probably came up maybe towards the end of season one that you really started using the word conscious and conscious creating and conscious coaching. Where was it from you when you left the publishing job into season one? Where was it that there was a shift within you that was like, oh, I'm doing everything now consciously? Mm, Such a good question. Because I feel like to some extent everything I've ever done has been done consciously, but Mm. it wasn't until I left and was able to look back in and go, fuck, that's quite fucked in there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was quite full on and I was definitely playing a role but trying to still bring my integrity into what was required of me in that time was to be that person, that digital publisher person. Mm. Um, So I think it was on the back of then having these conversations, but more than that, hearing the feedback from the listeners and really understanding how they were hearing it and seeing it and receiving it, I guess. And then that kind of made me go, oh, this is different. Like actually Mm. this isn't all of that thing I've been conditioned to do. Cause like when you work in publishing, you just become this content machine mm-hmm. and working with global partners, I was always on calls about strategy and the next strategy. And, and so then you start to funnel your creativity through strategy and then you kind of lose, you know, I think the authenticity in that because it must make money, it must reach this amount of people and it must be brand and it must. And then if I really, which is what I try and do now is strip a lot of that away in the moment, then I get to like, oh, this is really pure and it doesn't actually matter how many people listen to it and I mean that, Mm. which is why I didn't come out of the gate trying to sell it because I was like, I know how the market's buying and they're not going to want to buy the thing I'm creating anyway because it doesn't meet their metrics of success. Um, But, yeah, I think towards the end of season one is also when I began to explore Vedic meditation. Yeah. Because I think I learned in the December of 2018 and then season two started in the Jan or Feb. And so then that was kind of like dropping in even more of really understanding conscious is one word, but understanding consciousness, that was probably the pivotal 
point where my work just landed, I reckon. For me, I think it landed for you and a lot of the other listeners. And and then I had a really kind of intimate understanding of my role and what is, I guess, what we call kind of dharmic for me, like purpose, I guess, loosely, um, where I was needed, what I had to give. And then the whole thing just started to feel way more in flow. Mm. Um, and I guess marketing-wise, looking at kind of my offering, especially as I started coaching and really trying to pinpoint like why would you book me instead of some other career or business coach or strategist? And then that kind of made me really think about the language that I used in the way that I marketed myself. Mm. Um, it's a very small group of people though, by the way. <laughs> and, and this is a choice, which we probably don't talk about a lot, is like you don't have to, if say if you're doing, say mine is kind of conscious career and business coaching, I don't actually need 5,000 people on a list or, you know, whatever it is. I just need the right people who want to do the work with me. And it goes back to that, which I talk about a lot, is that 1,000 true fans model, which is like, I reckon nearly 20 years old now. Like it's a, a very old way of thinking, but apply that to 2022 and we're probably like 100 true fans. Mm. And then really thinking about like podcasting wise, say, if a hundred people who are very engaged in doing this work with me listen to every episode all the way through, that is success to me versus mm. 20,000 people listening to 10 or 20% and then kind of dropping off and never returning to me or my offerings. So it's a totally yeah. different way of thinking about growing a business consciously as well. Mm. Um but it, yeah, I mean, it's been a real, I think, I don't want to use the word journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> journey. Timeline. Timeline. <laughs> um, of allowing myself the grace to feel my way through instead so of being what, like, got to have a plan, got to have a strategy, got to do it this way. In the times that you were really feeling through Vedic meditation and understanding your own consciousness, what did your days look like? Because when someone is working eight to 10 hours and they put that pressure on themselves to build a business and la, 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 it's like there's no time to feel anything. Were you sort of taking a step back and doing less hours in the day at a computer working Mm -hmm. to feel? Or was it sort of like, like, what did your days look like back then? Yeah. And it's such a good question because we probably don't talk about this side of spiritual exploration either, is that it requires our presence and it requires our attention and our awareness and our time. And so we can't squeeze it into like a 30-minute power session at the end of the day, you know. Um, we call yeah, it a, the alarm. Yeah. <laughs> we call it a spiritual practice because it's a practice. It's something we do. We literally practice it every single day, but not at like necessarily particular times. It's a way of being, you know, Mm. so it starts to weave itself into all areas. But at that time, I feel like I had the absolute privilege of creating space, which I have zero of right now, by the way, and I had (laughs) zero of in the publishing career. But there was a definite moment as I kind of learned the meditation technique 
and then started to explore the body of knowledge, I felt this immediate pull of this is where I go right now. Mm. And so the podcast, as you know, you know, at that time I was releasing weekly, so it actually was quite full on. But you get faster and you get Mm. more ahead and so you have a little bit more time. And so I didn't task myself with much else aside from producing these really hopefully meaningful and impactful episodes. And then I think I had three to five coaching spots a week, but I would do them over two days only. Mm -hmm. And really the rest of the time I was just dedicated to exploring the truth of what I am. You know, and it did require me at that time to go very deep and it's quite, um, it can be quite isolating. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess it's like some people will call it the dark night of the soul or it's that very intense time when you're going through a very big upgrading consciousness and there's not really a lot of room for anything else to be happening. So our relationships can take a bit of a hit, especially if, the other person isn't doing the work themselves, which is likely going to happen. Friendships, you know, if your friends are like, why don't you want to come out and get drunk? It's like, you know, that just doesn't serve the highest expression of me right now. (laughs) And then they're like, oh, fuck off. And you're like, yeah, totally. I totally would have said that to myself as well. It's a thumbs up emoji. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) See ya, exactly. So there's all of that that comes with it, I think, and I talk about this a lot in my work is – when we choose to explore what we are, not who we are, we are choosing change and it is quite bumpy. So like spiritual exploration, any sort of kind of like awakening to self, some might call it enlightenment, it very rarely feels blissful in the beginning, but Mm. there's this kind of very odd addiction to it It's like once I started, I kind of couldn't stop because you just keep going down the layers yeah, and unpacking, unpacking, unpacking until you kind of drop into a place where you're like, oh, yeah, this feels true now, you know. But um, but it was a really hard time. I think professionally things were doing, you know, pretty well and I could sort of see where it was going and I could see actually, oh, my God, I don't think you need to get a job. I think this could be the job. Mm. Um, But personally it was a really hard time because – yeah, I was going through a um, a big upgrade and I was changing a lot. My preferences were changing. My friendships were changing. So letting go of some friends was really hard and I still kind of mourn those. Um, mm. But just knowing that if I'm really going to evolve, then what is the kind of quality of um, – consciousness, people, friendships, relationships, what do I need around me to assist and support me in in doing this? And yeah, it's heartbreaking at times, to be honest. Yeah. You know, lots of big chats with Tony where I was just like, just, I'm not losing the plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I'm at this yes. meditation studio a majority of the time. I started to shadow my teacher, which is something I do. Once I'm interested in something, I just attach like a little clip koala (laughs) and he was very gracious Matt and really let me in for about a six or nine month period where I was just there asking Mm. questions inquiring and that's his role as a teacher is you receive the worthy inquiry and then you respond and with this particular technique once you learn you get lifetime access to the teacher 
basically mm. for free type thing. You know what I mean? They just mm. have to be there for you as they should. And so I definitely took advantage of that. <laughs> I was like, me again? Um, but, yeah, so big chats with Tony of just like, you know, just let me explore and just know that I'm always going to come home, you know, yeah. and when I do come home, I'm going to be really kind of arrived in my body and my mind and my spirit and that will change the way we love and relate anyway, you know, and that's been true for us. But I know a lot of people also that the relationships don't survive. Yeah. So it's big it stuff. It takes a lot of it's a lot of nurturing on in you almost have a responsibility as well to not only nurture yourself but nurture them through the changes that are happening to you because mm-hmm. they, they've got expectations of it, of but expectations of the mother of all fuck-ups mm-hmm. because they'll assume one thing that you're going to be one way and then you just go complete 180 because something's happened to you that day or you've had a revelation and stuff and it's so hard because it's you're so present in it and they're just watching like, what's going on. Exactly. You know, and there'll be fear for them. Mm. you know, that you're going somewhere or that things are going to change and they will, but, it, you know, ultimately will change for the better and it does strengthen every relationship that you do kind of choose to keep in your life. But I do like to always raise it because I feel like sometimes we can talk about spirituality and it feels really like, oh, up in the clouds, the woo-woo, yeah. the da, 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 da. But when you take away the crystals and the tarot cards and the tools and all these kind of things, even, you know, some of the bodies of knowledge, exploring your essence, it's very, it can be very dense, chunky work, you know. And I remember there were many days where I would say to my teacher, like, oh, I just wish I could go back to like not knowing. Yeah. You know, and I remember he said to me, we never grieve for a lower state of consciousness. And that stays with me now because even on the days where I'm like, I wish I didn't have to be so in integrity all the time or I wish I didn't, you know, I remember that. I'm like, no, no, no. We don't go there, Alison. We just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You know. The way that you've shaped off through your own learnings is such an incredible brand, but it's so direct from your message. It's like mm. I, like I even the colour of the yellow is so you (laughs) like is there almost a like how have you done that I don't even know how to ask that beyond how did that happen you know what I mean like we're drawn Mm. to fonts and drawn to colors and drawn to drawn to examples that we see templates of on Canva and all those little (laughs) things and, and we like things on Instagram and they go into our saved but the integrity of your brand is so true to the integrity of you and I think that's why I trusted you so much in our coaching because you don't falter. Mm-hmm. Like you, your integrity, the way that you show up for your audience is an incredible, um, it's, it's, it's like an experience almost. So you make all of your guests feel so held and your audience feel held. So I guess trusting you with what I was going through circa 2019 was just a natural sort of um, progression because as as we know when when you podcast you exist in spaces with people and you are in their living rooms and you're in a, it's so intimate without even really realizing and you don't even know who's listening so you don't know who you're impacting but it was so natural and nurturing what was the process of you creating this incredibly nurturing brand 
Mm. But obviously, and you know so much about marketing mm. too. So it's like, how do I do it without being a fuckhead? I know. <laughs> I think I probably ask myself that in different language every day. Um, <laughs> I feel like, is this going to be the most underwhelming answer ever? Is it's been felt. Yes. How annoying. Um, This is why I'm an absolute nightmare to work with and Tony refuses to help me creatively anymore. So for anyone listening, he's a creative director and he's extremely talented. Like, and I I mean, (laughs) like he's one of the best creative directors in the country. And I'm like, no, I think that needs to be over there. And he's like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this colour doesn't feel true. What do you think? And he's like, I don't care. Um, So he actually (laughs) helped me. So he designed the original brand, the offline brand. Mm. There was a um, moment. So we were like in our little tiny home office in our old rental um, at nighttime and on the weekends for in that kind of early branding stage, it was like four months. So it takes a while as well. And I talk about that a bit in coaching is like, it'd be great to kind of open Canva one day and walk out at the end of the day with your brand. But that's certainly not the way I work. You can do it that way. Um, But allowing yourself space and time, like spaciousness around what it is that you want to create and bring to life visually. Cause there's like, we do something in the next day. I'd be like, yuck. I hate mm, that. You I open it. You're like, like that's oh God, no. And that's probably the day <laughs> where I was like, that's when I was in my kind of fuckhead <laughs> where I like, <clears throat> you know, like applied the strategy. Yeah. And then the next day I'd wake up, feel more in the essence, like that is the absolute wrong, you know, way. And that's why he's like, this is not sustainable. We'll do the early brand together and then you need to basically go and find someone who'll put up with you. And I actually haven't found that person. I've been doing it myself. <laughs> Help me. Um, but even trialing, as I was saying to you before, trialing creative support now and knowing ultimately, which I probably didn't really share with you properly up front, was it's probably never going to be the person who's supporting me's lack of being able to do anything. It's always going to be the fact that on some level it has to be me Mm. and there's a real acceptance around that. And like I was saying, when my help kind of disappeared this week, going, this is relevant because what you're trying to put out there requires the essence of you. So this isn't actually stuff you can hand over. So nature's like, you just got to sit down at the fucking desk. Mm. Even though I'm at that point as a founder where I'm like, I don't want to be doing everything anymore. Mm. But there's moments in my year that require me to be on the tools, which up until this point has been like every moment of every year. But I can see a world where I'll be able to kind of pull back, but then come in on that kind of really key design and art direction. that is felt and needs to come from me because it's like creatively it's very hard to talk about how do you just know when you see it so I don't know what it is but when I see it I'll know yeah so that requires me to move boxes around all day change colors change the font until it arrives where I'm like yeah that's it 
Yeah. And so this kind of steady patience for ourselves creatively till we land in the place where we feel like this is original, one, because mm. there's just not a lot of that happening at the moment with beautiful tools like Canva, which I use as well, but I very rarely kind of use the templates. It's like trying to kind of design from a more original place. Um, but, yeah, and so with the early branding for offline, I'll never forget the moment with them moving the boxes around. We had the logo up on the screen. We decided what the font was. I actually bought the font by that point. So I was like, we're not changing the font. That's that what it is. <laughs> and it just was kind of like so close. And we just every day were looking at it like it's so close. And then one day Tony just like tilted the O and he's like, you know, so the O's kind of off. And I was like, yes. <laughs> You're a genius. <laughs> That's it. And then like it's a lot of um, – and so much of what he taught me about is design thinking. How mm. do you create a brand? And this is from an old design book, but that um, creates a smile in the mind so that when you see it, you go, mm. And we all interpret the brand on different levels. So I can tell you all about like I chose that yellow because ultimately I want the essence of the brand to feel warm. And so when we feel warm, what do we think about? Yellow, sun, sunshine, light. Mm. And then him and I knowing that that tilted O was a very pivotal moment in the branding, but also this is um, these conversations are kind of not linear. They do kind of tilt to the left (laughs) and they tilt to the right and all of the kind of like the Fs, everything lines up in a line. There's so much about it that like, and this is why he does what he does and I do what I do, you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then the evolution of the branding, something I was really kind of, I guess, passionate about was, you know, we live in a world where everything keeps getting redesigned within like six months, 12 months, redesign, redesign, like, Mm-hmm. redesigning is going to lead to the success we're not having. Mm. It's not. I think we all keep learning that. But with this brand, I'm like, I want to, and my kind of early conversation with him is I want something that in 10 years' time you and I can look at it and still be like, fuck, that's good. Yeah. So that means we can't use any of the fonts or colours happening now. We can't use any of the Instagram trends you know, we have to really use our expertise and then I have to really feel into what feels true. And then I want it to be able to, instead of needing to be redesigned, I want it to be able to expand and extend. Because at that mm. point I was like, it's a podcast. But of course, maybe me, I was like, it could be also mm. this handful of things. It could be product. It could be online learning. It could be X, Y, Z. And so does this brand make sense in all of those areas as well? A little sense check, not having to kind of build it all out, just knowing. And then that's been really beautiful to get on the tools myself and bring in some new colours, which feel like really true to me, like that kind of, um, I don't know, I call it like a rust. <laughs> it's like a terracotta. Terracotta. I um, feel that. It's a bit of a peachy mm. one with the yellow and then, I was only doing black and white imagery purely for ease because, you know, with guests you get supplied all sorts of things mm. <laughs> with different filters and treatments. And um, and one thing I thought I can control is if I just choose a black and white filter, which we did custom, 
in Photoshop, um, which I probably wouldn't do it again because that took a lot of like unnecessary time and labor. Mm. Um, but again, wanted to feel original. And then I was like at a point going, well, now I need to, I want to introduce color into the brand, but how do I go from black and white to color? And then there's just mm. that ripping of the band aid, isn't it? Of like, now we're in color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's been really nice now to kind of give like breathes, breathe some new life into the brand, but it does to me, and you'll probably be better to share, but it does feel like it's just um, evolved beautifully. It hasn't felt like, oh, now we're this or now we're this. It's just every new little um, extension of the business has brought with it an extension of the branding, like even the off logo. He did that one. I was like, please, please do my, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But yeah. that came through like <clears throat> working with um somebody quite closely, Lucy, in kind of business development early in the year, December, November, December, January this year, and really thinking about where I wanted to take the business and the brand. And we were kind of conceiving this membership space type thing. And I was like, I don't want to do it. It's not a membership. I'm not. So who is Lucy in this whole piece? You have girls working with you now, but who are unfortunately offline. (laughs) Pardon the pun, <laughs> not with you this week for an integral week of launch. Yeah, and like all credit to them because they're all um, supporting offline on the side of their funding roles and, mm. you know, the thing that they need to do in order to take care of their families and pay their bills. And so it's never lost on me that juggle of wanting to do the work that you feel like you're really connected to and have an impact in but also sometimes this is a big part of my philosophy is depending on what season we're in, sometimes we have to have those funding jobs instead or at the same time. Mm. And so kind of knowing that the shape of my help was probably always going to be like that. But the two that I'm working with um, or that are working with me in the brand um, more consistently, they came through the brand as well. So that's quite beautiful of, really allowing myself to realize that the help I need is actually doing the work with me. And if mm. I start to vocalize that I need help, because that was a massive thing for me as a founder is I'm capable, but I'm also very proud. And so having to drop the pride to be like, I need help, <laughs> you know, and, and I need help to realize this brand's mission and reach and help more people. And just that acknowledgement that it's not going to reach its potential if I keep it all locked up to myself with yeah. my perfectionist tendencies and all my felt ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Lucy is was a really beautiful story because we were doing, she was part of my Java journey mm-hmm. that I was doing with Dahlia Gensher and um, we had a WhatsApp group, which, you know, we've got for off as well. And she messaged me directly and said, oh, hey, I didn't get one of the new Marlas, but I've just realized they're so beautiful and I really want one. Is there any left? And a couple of weeks before she'd sent me this really long email, which I get lots of beautiful long emails from Mm. listeners and people. And it almost felt like I was reading myself. It was this weird first time ever. I was like, I basically, this is more or less my story. This could be written by me. She was, um, pregnant at the same time with her second baby. So our babies are born like a day or two apart. 
And so I clocked that email and then she messaged me directly and we were in this journey which was all about evolving beyond what we fear the most. And what I fear the most is letting people in to truly see me and my process. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hence me being on this podcast. Um, (laughs) And I guess like the fear that for all of my coaching and my consciousness and what I put out there, are they going to see a side of me that doesn't marry up with that? And am I going to have to be this kind of like perfectly Mm -hmm. Zen founder all the time? And so that's why I just do it all myself. I'm like, it's just a control thing. But knowing that that's what I fear. So that's what I've got to evolve beyond. And then when I wrote back to her, I said, yeah, I'll send you. I've got one mala left and it's got a chip in it that somebody else didn't want. But maybe because, you know, with the mala beads, their gemstones, there's 108 and we do a mantra around 108 times. We touch every bead. Mm -hmm. And I said, maybe when you touch that bead and you feel that groove, you'll know it's kind of like that is life and it's chunkiness and it's mess and like what a really beautiful kind of thing to have an imperfect mala. Just for context, java is a form of meditation and mala beads are used in prayer and meditation. Kind of similar to rosary but with mantras for each bead rather than a prayer. The mala are meant to help you remain focused and they do this by being a tactile reminder of what you're meant to be doing, meditating. Then we just got talking and went into this insane kind of voice message vortex for weeks where I don't know I just felt the pull that I was like it's her and I actually propositioned her on whatsapp which I would never like recommend people do (laughs) or like you know and I just said to her because she was on maternity leave um and I just said you know if you whatever you decide to do long term will you consider helping me grow this business and this brand because when I asked her what she did she ended up having the exact experience I need in the business Mm. but she's this conscious person doing this work with me so I was like "Mm." (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so that's Lucy and actually I'm pretty sure this is going to be a good time I fucking hope so because now I've told the story but she um, resigned last week from her funding job to come and work Mm. with me in like a permanent part-time capacity. That's amazing. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty okay. edgy for me because I'm like, oh, I've got a salary to pay. <laughs> yeah, wow. So was yeah. her role just helping you as a friend or was she no doing paid. business development with you yeah, yeah. as like a consultant? Um, I guess, yeah, a consultant. And, um, you know, I'm very big on clean money, paying people what mm. they're worth. And when you get those seniors in, it's... It's a biggie. Oof. <laughs> the invoices come in, you're like, oh, yes, okay. Um, so that was a real kind of leap for me as a founder is, you know, if I'm going to actually realise the mission of the business, now I've got to put my money where my mouth is. And, mm. you know, this startup world is there's not a lot of it. Mm. And also the way I've sort of decided to commercialise the brand has meant that I have tapped out of a lot of those really big kind of money-making ways of being in business. Again, it's the shedding of the Mm -hmm. strategy and staying in that kind of felt space, Um, which she totally gets, which has been so beautiful is she hasn't come in like we've got to do X, Y, Z to optimize and strategize and it's no buzzwords. It's just like, who do we want to help? What do they need? And what is our capacity to serve right now? And um, 
and yeah, and so that was, I think we did about six months or so together and then we're ready, you know. Yeah. And she's a real joy to work with and just with both having kids and just it's a very new way and I, I like to hope that I'm helping her see how soft we can be professionally mm. in a world where she's coming out of agency in New Zealand, very senior, big briefs, big clients. And so this kind of like has to happen before end of day mentality. Yeah. We don't do that. I'm just like, oh, well, I'll have to wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah. we're going to be with our babies and yeah. be with our partners and be present in our lives. And so things won't happen as quickly as they would in the old kind of paradigm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Georgie is our business support and she listened to an episode I did with Lady Brains, the podcast. Mm-hmm. where I, again, it's about like vocalising the help I need was my big thing, I guess, like mm. end of last year and this year. And I said, like, I need a unicorn that, especially with administration, I need somebody who's obsessed with administration mm. and that's what they want to do. And yep. that's how they serve and that's what they're really good at, not somebody who wants to start in an admin role and move into a creative role. And then Georgie sent me this email. So I've just listened to this episode and I am the help you need. So she's like this incredible EA inside a big corporate and she's like a leader of other EAs. <laughs> wow. You know? And so she's really helping us with, um, I guess, like especially inside off like co-creator experience and processes and systems and planning and so I can stay in that really creative space serving, yeah. teaching, guiding. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. How has it worked out with between the three the three of you that like delegating all of that, but also delegating into a new space of mm. online courses run through Kajabi. It's very technical and I guess you probably designed um like the strains of offline like the whatsapp group and then you have the forum and the community and then you have all the little the pockets where all the everything lives and everything's kind of like in its own a place for everything and everything in its place Mm. sort of a thing how did did that evolve with georgie or did that evolve more so with you and now you're delegating in a world that you've set up yeah the latter probably i think that had to be my kind of beautiful masterpiece you know like Mm. when you're leading you need to have it needs to make sense for you Otherwise, you can't be in it authentically. And so when other people create processes and systems and structure for us, you know, sometimes someone will spend a whole day on something. You're like, they're like, this is amazing. You look at it, you're like, doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. But to them, it really does. (laughs) And so I felt that was quite key for me to set it up. And again, look, probably, yeah, absolutely lots of control. Um, And this is my, my message to Georgie was, what I'm going to ask for is your patience and your compassion Mm. because it's going to take me a while to let go because I've been doing it so long on my own. Mm. So I just need you to know it's never about me thinking you're not capable of doing something. It's about my own work that I'm doing as a founder to allow people fully in, not a bit in, Mm. not just one foot. You can have one log in, but nothing else. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) It's like you got to come right into the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But the way that, I spoke about off to really both of them early on because like 
Lucy and I were sort of conceiving like what would deeper service look like in that kind of coaching capacity. And so we kind of spoke about it as a membership, but there was a day over the Christmas break where we'd had lots of good headlines down and we had some direction and I just opened a Google Doc and I just had that, you know, sometimes creatively you just feel like you just really drop in and get that fucking mm-hmm. conscious stream. It just like comes through really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like bursts out. Bursts out. And I just wrote off with a line and then I wrote a whole kind of manifesto about, which is a big part of my process, of what it was in its essence. And it's a space and at this point in time, we're going to use the technology and tools available to us to create areas to be inside our space, but it's not actually about what platform I use or where I communicate. It's just like WhatsApp makes sense. It might not Mm. in the long term, but right now we believe this is the right way to where to host the transmission. Um, In terms of like online learning platforms, I reckon just like you could pick anyone really because it's not – actually about is this the best platform it's how we represent ourselves and our work on those platforms Mm. so I think sometimes as creatives we can get caught in like should I use WordPress or Squarespace or and I I really fundamentally believe that yes there is some that are better optimized for particular things but ultimately as I hope you've experienced inside off it's not actually about Kajabi yeah, not at all. You know what I mean? It's about my... <laughs> You'd hope not. You'd hope not. Yeah. So we don't want to get too hung up on where we build and create, but actually the quality of our creation once we're inside, yeah. but really off is a, con- a professional container, a space, and it will evolve every quarter that we're inside together to meet our evolving needs. And I think, yeah, there will be a point where we will need to kind of reorganise how we connect and where we connect. I do think that there is, you know, which Lucy probably won't like me saying, but like I think it caps out. Mm. I'm not really interested in a professional development space where you don't feel seen and heard every single day that you arrive. Mm. And so that I think at this point requires some sort of curation of who's inside, Mm. how many of us are inside. Um, but also knowing, and I've really had to get used to this in the first quarter, is just because people aren't using every single part of the space that you've created, Alison, it doesn't mean it's not kind of working, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because the forum especially, the easiest, fastest, and I reckon most successful way to cultivate community online is like a Facebook group. Yeah. But as we were building the space, I was like, I really want every area to have that kind of structural integrity. Mm. And when we go on Facebook, we feel bombarded. We start comparison. People are annoying. You know, that's not where we come Mm. to work on our professional expression. So we're not going to be there. But that means we're going to sacrifice some level of engagement probably because it's not easeful to be in a dedicated forum on a website that you're never on. Yeah. So I'm hoping that the programs and the technology catches up to a point where there'll be something that might make more sense for us. 
But for now, I feel like I can hand on heart say the your role and what I'm asking of you is to wake up and decide to be in off that day at any given yeah. time of the day. And so when you choose, that changes the frequency of your input, your inquiry, the way you participate in the space versus arriving on Facebook to check your notifications, mm. seeing that there's one inside off. Mm. And so you're kind of in two worlds, whereas with off, when you get there, it's because you've chosen to be there and just yeah. hoping ultimately that people make that necessary step to show up for themselves. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So ahead of that launch, launches are just so scary because mentally, although we may not say or think that we have metrics in mind, how have you sort of, and, and you said it recently in, within the WhatsApp group, so for context to listeners, Alison, we submit questions and Alison will sort of do voice notes back with a little bit of text um, context to what the question was and who's asked the question and then Alison gives a voice note. But I feel like you've done it in an incredible way that they apply to everybody regardless of what it, a girl could be like, hi, honestly build a shoe factory and I'd be like oh shoe factory voice note give me a listen what like I have no idea how you make it relevant for everybody but it is um there was something in there about recently about um making sure that you pay yourself um what you feel your worth is how have you kind of worked backwards with metrics on that because it's a very affordable space mm. as well. It's not something that is like oofed, like I can't really afford that. It's something that is such a nice to have in our lives and it really isn't, it's not a financial overhead um, that uh, feels strenuous on the bank account. Well, what I can share with you like straight up is all of my time is inside off right now. And all, yeah. all the time I have that I'm not with Betty or Tony or my family um, and so, yeah, that's a big consideration lifestyle-wise, I guess, as well. But I, I want to share that because this isn't a space that strategically people can create membership-type spaces where they kind of run on their own and you just get this kind of what almost feels like very um, easy passive income. Mm. That's not what this is. Mm. This is my full-time job and... I don't know if you've noticed because the algorithm's absolutely ballistic, but like I'm never on Instagram yeah. anymore. There's no sharing of my day or anything because I literally do not have capacity to be in the space the way I want to be, to show up for you the way I know I can and also kind of document on the side. So mm. that's been an interesting kind of we need to keep – engaging with the people who are following us and sharing what we have to give and inviting them to do this work with us or work with me. But I am one person. So right now my primary focus is just showing up and delivering on what I promised every single day. And also that like professionally off feels really effortless and easeful mm. because it's built in a way that honors my transmission. So I built it in a way that I'm like, I need to wake up every day and can't wait to get downstairs to work inside this space. I don't want to build something yeah. where I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I've created a beast and now no resistance, you know, frictionless. Yeah. Um, and so when you look at the shape of the space, it's very purposeful. You've got to know that I interrogated every single offering, changed it heaps of times 
to mm. get it to a point where I'm like, this not only honors what I have to give in my transmission, but it also suits the season of the life of life that I'm in right now, which is, you know, being a mother to a very lively 15 month old girl mm. and wanting to show up, you know, present in my marriage and, you know, my mum isn't well. So that's something coming into this year, I was like, it can't be work first. And I will admit to you, that's probably been my kind of main kind of pain point lately is just really understanding, like, are my priorities in the right order? Mm. And just keep interrogating that for myself as a founder. But in terms of projections, I think this is probably where I would say with Lucy and I, this is where we have this beautiful kind of yin and yang relationship and she will come all the way over, but it's like, as she's kind of um, starting to allow herself to forget what she knows professionally, Mm. this is really big because I had to as well of like dropping the strategic mind and like allowing yourself just to be in the authentic creativity So kind of pushing back in the moments to say, I don't think we need to put hard numbers on this. I think we need to present what we have to give and really see what comes through and allow ourselves the grace of the first three months to understand if it needs to expand or evolve or, you know, and just to meet the needs of the people inside. So it's really hard to project something that we don't, we haven't yet. It doesn't exist. And because was it scary letting go of the handlebars like that? Was it scary? No, I don't think I was scared. Um, I think you know I've been in a non-financially earning season for the last three years, <laughs> so <laughs> not making money is you know it's nothing new. To you. Not, not, not new. <laughs> um, any money I've made stays in the business, gets reinvested. Um, my business still operates at like 70% cost. It's very mm. expensive, which is something I'm, you know, will be working on. Um, but yeah, so financially it's like I kind of had nothing to lose in a way. Mm. Um, but yeah, so coming into this new quarter, we definitely have, and I talk about this in the space when I coach, is we have um, preferences and intentions. And those two things marry up to our value system and our why and our mission. And then we give it up to God. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we've done some really conscious modeling that allows us to draw a living wage from the business. Mm. And this is important. There's a point as a founder where you need to get paid. But I think sometimes we can put that pressure on pretty early and this is coming from a really privileged position of having a level of financial stability but also a lot of financial sacrifice because I was like peak earning when I left publishing. Mm. And then the first six months I was paying myself like 500 bucks a month. Then I put it up to $1,000 a month. And then recently I bumped it up a little bit more, but not much. And so the modeling Mm -hmm. we've done isn't really just about off. It's about, um, and this is a big part of my coaching philosophy with building something. We've spoken about this as well in coaching, really thinking about the shape of our business, having really um, diverse revenue streams. And those revenue streams can turn up and down as we please. 
depending on the season of life we're in and what we have to give and what our capacity is and the need of the time. And so the way we've thought about off in the longer term is here is kind of like what we believe we can achieve revenue wise. Mm. But like, honestly, the numbers would just pay everyone. Mm. And then the business will move into another chapter of profit at a point. Mm. But if we're going to, you know, scale thoughtfully and build consciously, then we have to know it's going to take time. Mm. And just to get comfortable with that, because I'm not saying I won't earn for the rest of my life. I think it can feel like that some days. Mm. But right now the season I'm in is about presence and building a legacy business and brand that I hope my beautiful daughter will turn 16 and be like, what's this offline business? <laughs> you know, and yeah. be like, oh, wow, mum, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you know a thing or two about uh, something, mum. <laughs> you know, and I hope, you know, I guess if I let my mind wander with that, I'm like, maybe Betty will want to carry on this work at a point or mm. maybe she'll be an accountant or like... <laughs> You know, bless them. Like, I don't know. So what does a day in your life look like at the moment? Every day is pretty much exactly the same. I get up at 5.30. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Oofed. Amazing. Well, um, so here's what I've learned about um, both consciousness and capacity mm. is – if we want to be in our work as like a really true expression of what we are and if we want to give our gifts and if we want to serve in the ways we know we're capable, we have to do our own work every single day to prime our state and mm-hmm. our body and our emotions and our mental health. We have to be like optimised and like yeah. not peak performance type thing. I'm not going to go there but like. We need to be in the world every day as just like the best kind of healthiest expression of us. And so what that requires of me, and it'll be different for everyone, is to have a morning practice. Mm. Is to So my day, I wake up at 5.30 and this can come in and out of season. So I'm in a 5.30 start season right now because that's what's required of me as a founder at this point in time. And I do my little Ayurvedic things. I scrape my tongue. I go and make some hot water, so some warm water. I come downstairs. I turn my lamp on and I meditate for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take in knowledge. And this is really big. So, like, for anyone listening, like, tongue scraping is an amazing lifestyle practice. You don't have to believe in like an Ayurvedic way of living just to know that we wake up with a lot of toxins on our tongue. Mm-hmm. That happens overnight and so to scrape that off and brush our teeth is such a nice thing to do first thing in the morning. And yeah, then wow. drinking warm water, you know, a lot of um, I think the conditioning is that we put lemon in it or we put a powder in it or we put something in the water. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned from um, different practitioners is just plain warm water, it doesn't give any organ anything to do. 
So you can yeah. just like lubricate your organs, wake them up. Good morning. Love you. Here's a warm hug. Instead of like lemons going to go, I don't know where, deliver. And things start kind of working. But if you can just like provide yourself some lubrication internally, such a nice thing. And then any any kind of um, self-care practice, and I use that word sparingly, but like, Maybe you do, maybe you have a Vedic meditation practice. Maybe you like insight timer, headspace. Maybe you like to do morning pages. As a creative, just do those three big pages of writing every morning. Some sort of practice that kind of lands you not only in the day, but in the essence of who you are. And then taking in knowledge. Like sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Like already you're like, fuck, it's 5.30. I've already got like five things to do. But these should be things that we just um, give to ourselves every day and prioritize even on the days where we're like, I could not be fucked Yeah, with the fucking spirituality this morning. Like, <laughs> you know, I totally get that. But if we can arrive for ourselves every single day, I tell you what, it's changed my fucking life. It's changed my work. It's changed the way I parent everything. But it does require devotion and discipline but which we give Mm. to so many other things in our lives, but will not, for some reason, give to ourselves. Isn't that so strange? Mm. Have you uncovered why that is? Because we want to be loved and we want to be admired and we want to make people proud. So there's a lot of the parenting comes into it, (laughs) which is why I take my responsibility as a parent really, really seriously because it's imprinting, you know, of how we believe we need to be in order to feel loved. And so we overextend in areas where really we should be overextending for ourselves first and then see Mm. what happens off the back of that and how we exist and how we give, how we show up. And then the boundaries come because that's the biggest Mm. thing having a regular practice has given me is a level of self-respect that I will not compromise for anything or anyone. And it's a big deal because saying no to things is a massive privilege and there's a way to politely decline opportunities that just don't serve us. But when we're in that world of like, got to kind of take everything because I'm feeling a bit of scarcity and I got to mm. take every job and every opportunity and every invitation to go and do something. But if you really kind of look at things and go, which is part of the work we do inside off is, defining our own version of true self-success, what does that look like? And we, um, part of the work I do is this conscious compass work where we kind of write it down to a point where anything that comes across our desk, life, we can put it up towards this compass and say, does this fit with the vision I have for my life Mm. and my profession? And so that's been like, huge for me, the boundaries, but it all comes again from these morning, the way we start the day, because the meditating or whatever kind of practice we do really, it's not actually about the practice itself or like say with meditation, it's not necessarily just about like transcending. It's about how it changes the way we're in our everyday life. So that's mm. why it's so important. It's not really about de-stressing and relaxing so much as it is about elevating our state of consciousness and the respect I think that we have for ourselves. 
So anyway, now I'm going banging on. But that's the morning. And <laughs> no, I love it. Take, taking a bit of knowledge that could be like a book I'm reading, um, an audio book, whatever. And mm. then I'll do my necessary like Instagram scroll. <laughs> Not above it. Uh, won't go near TikToks. So I'm like, then I'll be there for fucking hours. Um, <laughs> and then I'll do a bit of work, which didn't happen before mm. Betty. But now is just what is required of me in this moment is to kind of jump into the space and then breakfast with Betty, go and get a chai. And then once she goes down for a nap, I work for her nap. I spend lunchtime obviously with her. Then I work when she naps again, dinner, bath, put her to bed. And then I generally work an hour or two from 6.30 and then Tony will be home from work if he's not working from home and we'll have dinner. Right now I'm watching Drive to Survive. <laughs> have you seen that I've on heard Netflix? so much about it. No, everybody's obsessed. I can't stop. Tony's like, who are you? I'm like, I don't even know, but this is amazing. And now I'm like obsessed <laughs> with all the drivers and everyone's so hot. <laughs> no, we did video work with um, T Magazine with Dan Ricardo on the cover and working. Yeah, like, he's hot too. I said, yeah, he's a good egg. He's very funny. We were doing um, um, like, oh, do you like, I can't remember what the question is, but they do rapid fire questions. And he was like, do you want to tell a joke or poet or like say some poetry? And he just burst out in like slam poetry and just started doing shit. And we got the rushes back from London. Like he's so funny. He was sitting on a tyre in head to toe Gucci. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> legend, absolute legend. It's amazing. And I think just like, yeah, the mental stamina and the sportsmanship. But I don't know. That's just a really good show. And then my sister was like, oh, my God, there's like four seasons. So I was like, oh, so good. That's what I'll be watching. So that's my evening. And then I try and get into bed by 10. Pretty good. Mm, it's very mm. straight. It's very disciplined. It's necessary necessary right now. And Tony and I have spoken about this recently is, you know, we look forward to some more spontaneity in our lives. And as Betty gets a bit older and is less kind of napping, mm. <laughs> napping in general, um, we'll be able to, you know, just kind of break out of the mold a little bit more. But for me to achieve what I want to professionally and to parent her in the way that I know I'm capable of, the disciplines required in this season, but I do see a world where it starts to become a little less structured. Yeah. But right now it's kind of keeping me putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, and we've got her in daycare from June, I think. So that's going to be three whole days. One that's with so my exciting. sister. Yeah. So that's beautiful. She has time with my sister, her auntie, and then two days of daycare. Mm. But yeah, that's just going to be a whole other like chapter for us is what I'm learning about parenting. It's just like these different, you can reach these stages where I'm like, oh, we're at daycare. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I'm like, what is their consciousness going to be like though? Like, <laughs> and Tony's like, oh, shut up. It's fine. She'll love it. She'll be good. Because like the poor thing, like, I mean, we've started with the wiggles and stuff now, but Basically, I just have like Vedic chants and incense on all day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she's going to turn up, probably going to be a bit of an oddball. 
<laughs> so it'd be nice for her to be in that kind of environment and that will give me three clean days to work, which will mean no more early morning working or nighttime working. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just acceptance around the season and what's required of me right now and knowing it's not forever and don't get overwhelmed by it in the moment because it's just, it'll pass. Mm. It was, that was one of the first things that you mentioned to me as a coach. It was like, it's all about chapters. Mm. And it was so integral to my journey, having run Remy, the um, very small sustainable business that I had. And I still have it because I still have all the stock and everything and I'm still running it, but my attention is absolutely not there. Mm. Um, and I think you guys posted it to me when I was on the brainstorm group as well um, in off about a new subscription model that I'm working on. Mm. It was one of the questions that came later. Um, from you as more of a sounding board was like, are you able to commit to this? Like, do you have the space to show up for this? Because it's going to take a lot from me. Mm -hmm. And I think I do. And that's where a lot of the changes that are coming in in my business are at the moment, that it is going to take a lot of work. But but that's sort of just where I'm at. And I do have the capacity. Mm -hmm. Because you've decided that's the biggest thing is. Yeah like this whole culture of like fucking side hustling, grinding, juggling. No, no more. Like that's enough. Mm. We're tired. It can be so toxic. So toxic. So we choose intentionally and then we move in the direction of that and we find our energy and our awareness, our creativity, and that is where we give, but we do not have to run them all at the same time. And I just think it's really beautiful that you're honouring the creative impulse, like we can create lots of things. It doesn't mean we have to mm. do them all for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Remy served a purpose and it will be more than the surface purpose. It'll be, there'll be something you learned or acknowledged in that exercise or exercising your creativity. Yeah. Well, that whole business was built on self-love mm. because I was traumatized from a point of, um, emotional abuse in a situation that I was in Mm. and I needed I started by drawing nudes because I needed to appreciate the female form again and then I started drawing them on linen and then I was like wait I have really curly hair what if I made a linen scrunchie and then I figured out that it would hold my hair with kink free and then I was like oh a linen scrunchie how good and then (laughs) and then it just happened and then the beading of anklets was like therapy see this is and then it's so beautiful this is creativity. <laughs> this is creating. It is. Yeah, literally. Not like it does is. it fucking commercialise? Does it monetize? How many people yeah. can I? There's a point where we need to get really strategic with can yeah. our creativity fund us? Not always, but, yeah, sometimes. But in those beginning stages, that's what's so beautiful. And, you know, I would assume it was successful because of its integrity and because it came from a part of you you know, that wasn't about how do I just whack these products out and make some cash. Yeah. Even the branding was so calm and it was all like the photography and stuff. It was of women, but it was of no, no, no parts of a woman's body that you would ever look at and criticize or compare yourself to. Mm. Like you wouldn't, it was like an elbow. Good luck, mate. (laughs) Thinking your elbow is not good enough from that. (laughs) We'll find a way. Uh, yeah, but I was so conscious mind. of not having like a, 
I was so conscious of not having like a torso or thighs or anything that um, that the audience could look well. at. Yeah, and and thinking that we're not enough, and it healed me like you would not believe. Just surrounding myself every day in Pinterest pin saving Love of that. of that, you know, it was like it was like self medicating, but because I'm such a serial business starter and I just love it. It was like a little a little sidestep into something more healthy. But I think that's it's so needed and now off is absolutely what I need in my um in my journey as well. Cause mm. I think I'm very la 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 like let's do all the things. But then having off, even if I forget that I have off, as we mentioned, it's in a in it's in our it's a different server and a tab. So it's not something that we go to open. But even the the reminders or the WhatsApps and Kind of is like an anchor. Mm. It just like pulls you back down into no, no focus. It's almost like a like a reminder set on your phone. You know how yes. you've got water reminders. It's like oh, Alison, and even the representation that you have now of that brand, or even when you pop up on WhatsApp, is like oh, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> present moment awareness. <laughs> oh, get in it. Get your mindset right. Okay, cool. Now carry on. You know? It makes me so happy to know you think about it like that because that is exactly how I explained it to Lucy. Yeah. Is if nothing else, I just want to be a um, calm influence in their lives and I want to help them practice creative restraint and career restraint and professional restraint in a way that serves them, you know, is that it doesn't mm. have to be building, executing, climbing you know, sometimes we can yeah. just simply be and explore and become process orientated instead mm-hmm. of outcome orientated, which is what we've been told is like get to the moment, the thing, when actually what off is, yeah. is it's the space between. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited for the next quarter for you. It's so cool. And coming. The masterclasses I'm jazzed for because that was that was the biggest need we saw was like, as you know, my coaching, I'll always find a way to make it relatable to most people. But there's a level yeah. of it's a high level still. And so the masterclasses really now act as that kind of deeper. Now we're going to get into the execution and we're actually going to teach you the how to do things, not the necessarily just the why to do them. Yeah, which is very cool. Conscious revenue planning, that's a big one for me. I was like, yeah, we've got to get into those numbers. Yeah. Mm. I'm so so excited. It's so cool. Thank you. Thank you for saying yes to coming onto this and chatting to me all about your own personal process because it's been a joy to talk to you. Oh, what an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime you pop into my world, I will (laughs) welcome it. Well, now I'm going to ask you to help me with my podcast video, (laughs) etc. Chatting to Alison feels like an old friend, and that's exactly how I feel inside of OFF. I put the enrollment link down at the bottom of this for anyone who's interested in it. If you're curious, you can DM me or even Alison. I'm pretty sure he's going to get back to you directly about how it could serve your current chapter. Building a staple podcast in the Australian landscape, starting a family, exploring her own being, consciousness, and inspiring hundreds of women through her online offerings, she's an inspiration and... I think she's really humble about the impact of women that she's made, but I've spoken to a lot of women inside the off community 
and she really is a great guide. So all of her details are in the show notes. I'm personally coming to you from far north Queensland. I am at a house right now in Port Douglas where I've spent so much of my childhood and my adult life and I just turned 30 and I feel like this is a fantastic week to launch this episode because I'm really taking some space for myself this week to have a think and make sure that my next chapter is well aligned to my true, true ambitions. So I hope that you loved this episode and I will see you next week.